Is denim buoyant? <laughs> this denim is. It's very... <laughs> it's, it's waterproof denim. Special brand of denim. What's wrong, babe? You've barely touched your jote. I have 50,000, 50,000 I use, I think are the units of the sun flowing through my veins, David. Oh, your, your super sun pills. It is confirmed that Chase is not a vampire. <laughs> no, yeah. Doctor said, hey, you, the, everything's looking in tip top shape except these very bad vitamin D levels. Mm. And we need you to take... Like a bok tie, the sun is in your hands <laughs> level of sun dosage. Kojima branded uh, vitamin D pills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sun, sun bright man came and sun gave me uh, so much dosage of vitamin D. And it's an experience. I feel like the, the pod is going to be a little bit different today. You got some sun energy in you. I have the power. The powers of the sun is in my hands, Dave. Is it in your hands or just inside of you now? Are you the whole power of the sun? Yeah, it could be. I don't know. I feel like it's not really going to translate that much into video games, to be honest. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, I also feel like it is kind of the source of the problem to begin with, the my video game obsession, you know? Mm. Well, the, the lack of sun, is that what you mean? Yeah, I feel like I would have to like radically change my lifestyle mm. <laughs> to, to remedy this without the... 50,000 IUs of uh, sun power that I'm taking now. It is very hard to game outside, but what, well, maybe that's what Apple Vision Pro is for. Go outside, oh, game with yeah, your Apple man. Vision Pro in the sun. And then I can show everyone my really cool tan lines from my Apple Vision <laughs> Pro that will inevitably show up I'm at the park. I'm playing Bok Tai, guys. <laughs> You're streaming at the park. <laughs> What's up, guys? Here at the park playing my Boktai emulator just the way Kojima intended. Outside, in the sun, here I am. Boktai, let's go. <laughs> Everyone's just walking around this strange man just holding his hands up in <laughs> in the park. Can you feel it? I have the sun. Uh, welcome to Video Game Podimism. It's the Optimist Video Game Variety Show where two best friends talk about the wonderful power of gaming and the sun. Uh, my name is Chase. And my name is David. And here we are, back again. I feel like it's been a while. Again, we are one day off from where we normally record. It is currently Tuesday. Man, it just feels like there's so much time in those <laughs> extra 24 hours. You've, you really packed a lot of games in that 24 hours you need to talk about, huh? I feel like I, re yeah, I really like chewed on the games that I was playing. I'm only playing really two right now. Two games. Man, it just, I, I felt like, I, I think it's just muscle memory at this point that I get to Monday night and I, I start like find myself walking around the house just like, well, the thing about Yakuza Infinite Wealth is that, and then there's no microphone there and I don't know what to do with myself. How will people know what I think? <laughs> it's a problem. It's a problem. Maybe you just need to continually record yourself so you can get those moments of just uh, rambling on tape. That's what the people stream need. Of consciousness. Is, <laughs> that's what the, the listeners need is less structured <laughs> discussions about video games. <laughs> it's, it's the nouveau version of uh, streaming. Instead of, instead of video, it's just auditory streaming and it's just you. Stream of consciousness talking about <laughs> games. That's what the Apple Vision Pro gives you actually is like it's a new form of streaming where it's just going straight into your brain. You're just getting my like 
mushy oh. thought soup mushy. as I'm trying to my pull God. together my feelings about video I, games. I hate that sentence. Mushy thought soup. Yeah. It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> that's what Elon's trying to do to us. You see, he got yeah, implant. He's implanting people now. Yeah. It's coming. I think I'm going to pass on that one. I think. Yeah. I'm good. I don't I don't need this uh, humankind revolution <laughs> madness yeah, going I, on I here, would, this Deus Ex. I would love to delay Deus Ex a little bit, if possible. We're already there in a lot of ways, but man, seems yeah, to be sure. speeding straight towards it. The hypercapitals ways for sure. But also, if I could get some like fresh legs, though, that would be sick. If I could jump up to, like a whole building, that would be so cool. I'm so ready for fake legs, David. Just uh, just <laughs> start a brand called Fresh Legs. Fresh legs. We fresh, got fresh got ones fresh out legs. here. Come get your fresh legs. <laughs> you were just talking about you want some fresh hands too, right? Um, I think these ones are okay right now, but I eventually I am sure that I will need like a fresh pair of hands. Mm-hmm. Little robo hand. Swap them out. Yeah. That would be cool. I would I would be into that. Swap them out. Grease them up. Good to go. Now it's gaming time, baby. <laughs> now we're, we're back in business now. You just crush the controller. Swap <laughs> grease game. no yes again i don't like that (laughs) hey have you been playing video games david i have been i've been playing mostly two games mostly two okay uh you can call me will because i am still playing liza p Mm. why okay hold on i can call you will because you're still playing lies of p you can call me will because i am am. Oh my God, David, Jesus. Still playing Liza P. Every week you come with such a wild pun or portmanteau for Liza P. I got to keep you on your toes. It's working. That's what I, I do. I am fully, fully on, on my, my tippies, tippies right now. Fully on my tippies. Once again, really don't like that, but here we are. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, sure. Liza P, it's... Uh, still really good. I really enjoy this. Another thing I, I talked about last week, how mm-hmm. this game really uh, streamlines some things that are yeah. kind of, I think, needlessly burdensome in mm-hmm. other Soulsborne games. I really love that they put your your ergo right outside the boss door instead of yeah. making you go back in there and scamper around and try not to get hit so you can grab it so that you don't get like one shotted before you get it back again and just lose it all that's really nice it does not yes. add anything to the game for me when i do that it's just like meta progression needs to be maintained and i'm just scrambling in soulsborne games <laughs> yeah. when when i'm doing that and it's just it's it's lets me focus more on the fight which is really what i'm yeah. there for but yeah scooting along i'm at the swamp now i'm swamping and stomping great <laughs> it is a swamp <laughs> It is a swamp. I, I feel like that is when the game starts to twist a little bit from what it initially is to what it is moving towards. Like there, yeah. there's stuff happening there that's like, okay, this isn't just puppets and machines and shit. Yeah. And you get the portrait of your of yourself or <laughs> the, the human version of you and his nose starts growing on the wall and then your Whenever hair you starts lie. growing. Yeah. Did, you, did you notice that part? His hair grows longer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, his hair gets longer and like his face changes a little bit. He gets a little taller. Very strange. A little taller. It's very bizarre. Yeah, it's like something they really don't call out directly. Like Mm -hmm. you could just go the whole game without seeing any of that. Yeah. But it's such a bizarre experience to see when that Uh happens. And like, I don't know this for sure, but I think that at least the portrait is tied to when you lie, that your like nose grows out. And so I do wonder if the physical changes Mm -hmm. are also tied to that, that if you lie less, he doesn't like grow in any way. I lied once to be nice. That was it. Yes. I I like the way that they do that, honestly. Like, it could have been so easy to make 
like lying or or telling the truth like the good or bad route Mm -hmm. and that like they do position it at certain times in the in the game where it's like i should probably lie to this person right now yeah like poor yuhenny when she makes that guy those gloves and he just trashes them like oh this guy sucks yeah like you don't don't need to know it's okay like maybe maybe it would be morally correct to tell them exactly what happened Mm -hmm. or like the time when there's like somebody dangerous who's like hey do you know of anywhere i could go hang out nope no i don't don't. definitely don't go to hotel crop you like that's not a cool place for you yeah 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 I, i think it's interesting that they position it as like not not a clear good or bad thing. It's just like how you choose to engage with this thing that mm-hmm. the robots are supposedly not able to do. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, I love what this game is doing. It's still very engaging. I love the new metal swamp level. I, I, I like the little <laughs> spin they put on it. And it feels like, yeah, you definitely a Soulsborne game does need a poison swamp at some point. It is, I think, a requirement. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still still really enjoying it. The combat is still tight. Yeah. I'm interested in where the story is going from this point. I think it's getting a little bit more interesting and engaging mm-hmm. uh, than just steampunk Pinocchio. R-rated steampunk Pinocchio, I should say. Yeah. And yeah, just still really impressed by how well it is crafted for sure. like a first a first time studio publishing a game right Mm -hmm. so yeah really great still loving that one i've also been playing the other game i've been playing the most of right now is inscription oh wow i love that yeah Um, where are you playing this i'm playing it on the playstation okay PlayStation five this is the like kind of horror game that came out i think this was two years ago now i think so it's the spooky deck building roguelike where you essentially get abducted and put into a cabin and are essentially kept there against your will by by a D&D dungeon master gone wrong is yeah. kind of what it feels like. This man is just kind of making you play this game where he controls uh, what is going on. Very engaging and engrossing game mm-hmm. just right off the bat. Love the the art style, how you just see his spooky eyes, the the yeah. noise for how his, his voice is so good. Just like this <laughs> low, inhuman grumbling essentially droning almost so good very evocative really puts you into a certain headspace of i am in danger with this person this person is is scary this person holds all the power over me and i just got to play along that's the only that's the only way to get through this is to go through yeah what he's what he's challenging me with um and i really enjoy the card battling in this one it's a really fun way of doing meta progression is that you know whenever you die you get to create a really powerful card with uh, your name on it. I have a David, I have a Chase, and I have a Chavid so far. Hell yeah. Um, so we're going we're gonna to mob this guy. We're going to get him in the end. <laughs> but so far we've all died. That's funny. Yeah. And I love how you could go around the cabin and solve little mysteries as well. It feels like an escape room mixed with a, a deck building roguelike. Yeah, uh, totally. Which is, and I, I, I love me an escape room. I know you probably, you probably know that. Yeah. Just in reality, I love escape rooms. And I think that they really blend those two aspects of the game together really well especially with the cards that will talk to you and give you hints and tell you what to do and like oh wow this is this is really deep and a really nice interesting spin on the deck building roguelike genre uh that is you know i would never have thought of doing something like this like oh i can get up from the table and do something cool and this guy is just looking at me at whatever i'm doing in this cabin and it's (laughs) just me and him and it's like flashing lights outside and so spooky really interesting to see where this goes and 
what else and what other combos I can start doing with, with these decks. Sometimes mm-hmm. I just really fuck up the deck. I'm still kind of trying to yep. rock how to build it. I understand how to play, but getting how to build the deck uh, is something that I still need to learn to do a little mm-hmm. bit better in this game. But I've gotten to, like, I think, the third level so far. Yeah. 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 It's good. It is, it is a game that is exceptionally worth beating the main dude. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Got it. It's, it's, it's very, very good. Got to uh, I think dude. you will really, really enjoy what happens when you sort of like, quote unquote, beat that run. <laughs> I would love to talk mm. so much more about this game. I'm intrigued. Uh, I got, I got ideas about what, it, what could happen now. It's, it's exceptional. I think like that, the game is just so much fun. Mm. Yeah. It's definitely probably going to be what I play after I get off the pod with you today. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's a very like bite-sized game. So you can play just little bits of it and it's like totally fine. A run is good. Like I was, yeah, it's one of those, it has the Hades effect of one more run, mm-hmm. one more run, one more run that no yeah. other deck builder has really gotten me into because they are so much shorter of a run. Typically it's a little bit more streamlined than a Slay the Spire or a Monster Train. Those yeah. ones, you can get a little bit more of a satisfying payoff with the deck that you build. You can really get some synergy going, I think, compared yeah. to this one, at least so far for me. Mm-hmm. But I do like how much quicker it is. And just, yeah. I love the little, the spooky horror vibes to this game. It's really well done. The tone is just immaculate. It yeah. is so good and yeah. so well done. It just like nails that like kind of creepy, you're not really sure, like... This seems to be dangerous, but also like I'm not being attacked mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. You know, like it oh god, it's just it's very good. Until you lose and his creepy hands come across the table oh, at you. God, I hate it's it. So frightening. I hate it. <laughs> I will say that like it it does get easier to build good decks as you go on. Mm-hmm. I think the game kind of wants you to eventually beat it. Yeah. And I think the the farther you get, the easier it is to make just like shit that does feel like, okay, I'm like really crushing right now. Yeah. Whereas like the first couple runs, I was like, I have no idea how I'm going to beat this game. This seems so hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I was still probably getting told how to play the game up until like my second to last run. Yeah. So I think I just now have been shown all the the mechanics because they do like every run, they show you like another thing you can do. And I Mm -hmm. think it's like four or so times until you really get all the info about how to how to play all the things you yeah. can do to play i should say totally yeah. yeah it's a very good game i'm excited for you to keep playing this yeah no i'm definitely gonna beat this one this one's very engaging i love it hell yeah <laughs> that's cool video games man they are good they're so good they're so good all right that's been the pod <laughs> if you want to interact with the show you can do it at podmism.com chase what have you been playing uh i've been playing mil- mainly two video games i would love to tell you about them let's hear it as suggested last week, uh, I am playing Yakuza, or Like a Dragon, I should say, Infinite Wealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the new Like a Dragon game, or it's sort of in the Yakuza series. It's made by the same people, and they yeah. called the series Like a Dragon in Japan, called it Yakuza here. So the naming is a little up in the air, but it's the new one. It's the new video game that they uh, put out. Um, this is the second game in the kind of rebrand that they've done, where their new protagonist is uh, Ichiban Kasuga, uh-huh. uh, a, a new guy. Most of the other Yakuza games were centered around uh, Kiryu Kazuma, mm-hmm. who like, if you've if you've seen any of the Yakuza games, you've probably seen Kiryu's face before. It's a very serious looking um, man. Yeah, very serious, stern looking dude. And it's... <laughs> It's sort of bizarre because I, I feel like you you see the cover of a Grand Theft Auto game and you see like dudes with guns shooting each other and like tough guys and stuff. Uh-huh. And like those dudes are in the game, right? Mm-hmm. Like 
tough guys shooting each other are in there. And like Kiryu is kind of a serious guy visually, but he's so regularly being like, I would actually love to sing karaoke. And I love being nice to grandmas and stuff like that. Like he is so not that person. He's a real part of the community still. Honestly, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, I hadn't clicked with a lot of those games. The the Yakuza games up till Like a Dragon. Mm-hmm. And I can't say it was because I was uninterested because I was. Like I was enjoying most of the stuff. I think a lot of it came down to the frequency and the way that the battles play out. Sure. Uh the battles are essentially just I shouldn't say just, but like they're mostly a beat 'em up. Like you get into battle and it's like you are supposed to kind of hit a couple of like, you know, square, square triangle combos and just like beat dudes up. And it's hard for me to say why, but my brain just kind of like tired of that at a certain point. I kind of like was like, okay, I get it. I get it. And it does take up a lot of the game. Mm-hmm. And so I think for a lot of a, a lot of those games, I would get like five hours into them and just kind of put them down because I like couldn't play more of them, which is in contrast to my experience with Like a Dragon, which was like, I have to keep playing this game. Just mm-hmm. like so excited, so interested, having such a good time. And it didn't hurt that like the Like a Dragon games were introducing Ichiban Kasuga because like he's a new guy. You're kind of getting in on the ground floor. Yeah. You don't have to know as much about like the Yakuza series. Um, they definitely absolutely lean on the history of the series. Like there's a lot of stuff going on of like reoccurring characters that had been in other games. Mm-hmm. But even still, I was playing like a dragon a couple of years ago and was like, I am understanding what's happening here. This is not none of it's like going over my head. Or at least not that I noticed, right? There might have been references that I didn't catch, but uh, I, I understood what Ichiban was going through and like what was happening in his story. Mm-hmm. And something that I really appreciated about that game was the way that it was treating Ichiban and also the cast of characters that they had in there. Um, a lot of it centered around like kind of washed up dudes for the most part. Sure. Like, People who are either like, you know, jobless or houseless or anything like that. And like those were the heroes in that game. And Ichiban too, like he was a guy who took a fall for the Yakuza when he was very young, spent a lot of his life in prison. I think it was like 16 years later or something like that. Got out as like a 40 year old man and was like trying to re-enter society and uh like that's challenging right Mm -hmm. they they i think accurately showed that like this is not going to be easy for him and like he also got a little bit like short he got the short end of the stick with he got a little bit short (laughs) he got he got the short he got the short end of the stick with how the yakuza treated him after he got out Mm -hmm. but all that said i think it's like He's just such a compelling character. He is so optimistic Hmm. and he's such a bright personality that it is like it's so hard not to want to play as him because he's just like amazing to be around. Sure. Just endlessly hopeful in in all of the games that he's playing. Like people in in the game will constantly be like, dude, this is so idealistic or like naive, but like, and he's like, I don't give a shit. I'm going to go like do this because it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And not in a way that's like, I'm a big tough guy. Like he's definitely using violence <laughs> to solve the problems, right? Like he just goes yeah. up and beats people up and that's the way to like fix a problem. But sounds good. Yeah. It's like, it, that feels more like the influence of video games than like sure. who Ichiban is specifically and characterizing him. But yeah, he, I, I just loved watching him as a character in that game. And I think that that game as a whole is really good. And so I was interested to see like what happens in this one, because I think for the most part, like a lot of stuff got tied up, like the loose ends got tied up mm-hmm. in the last game. So I'm like, what happens now? Like where, where is his story go? The first like couple hours of 
uh, Infinite Wealth are, it was such a joy to play through. It's essentially Ichiban is working at this like temp agency sort of. It's called Hello Work. And essentially what it does is like someone will come in and be like, hey, I want to find work. Like, can you place me somewhere? Mm -hmm. And what he was doing was he got this reputation that he could find work for ex-Yakuza people, people who wanted to like get out of the Yakuza and just like you know, go, go on the straight and narrow. Right. And so they would show up and you see this play out a couple of times where he's like, Oh, it looks like you worked for this family. And, you know, essentially trying to allude to the fact that he knows that they used to work for the Yakuza and like, what kind of work can I possibly give this person now? Mm-hmm. And so the first few hours are just him doing that. And it's so amazing. He literally gets up in the morning and says another day to try and make a difference and then goes wow. to work at the tape tip just like what a guy just amazing right he's such a good dude and I, I won't like speak on specifics of what kind of like throws the rest of the the plot into action but for uh one reason or another he has to go to hawaii and that's where a lot of the game takes place mm-hmm. and a lot of the plot takes place and so you find yourself as ichiban in hawaii and meeting up with like new characters that you're in interacting with like new party members. Um, you kind of temporarily leave the people that you are really close with in the first game in Japan, and then you yourself just go to Hawaii. I don't think it's really ruining a lot to say this, but Kiryu also is someone who you meet up with pretty quickly okay. in Japan, Cool, which I think is also really cool and narratively and thematically, I think it like really pays off the farther you get into the game. Mm. And again, I'm, I'm not going to really spoil how, but I, I really do think that's like a very cool thing to do. And especially like in this game where Ichiban is like the main character, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's the focus of this game. And so it's interesting to see Kiryu from that lens and see kind of where his faults are and like where he's being held back. Whereas Ichiban is like, totally head empty i'm I like i just want to solve this problem and do good for people sure you know so all that's really good i i kind of alluded to this before but the combat is really different than what it is in the base yakuza games it's, it's similar to what it was in like a dragon yeah. the, the first one but it is more turn-based combat it, it is much closer to just regular turn-based combat but it has enough of a twist on it that i do think it actually is pretty interesting where uh whenever you get into a fight you'll just like roll up to some random people on the street who are like hey fuck you and then they like <laughs> start a fight or whatever and you you do that and essentially what happens is whoever is you know the highest speed goes first and there's like a little circle around where they are and you can choose to you know either just do like a regular attack or use some kind of special attack which is essentially kind of this game's version of magic Mm -hmm. and uh if someone's within that circle you get a little bit of a bonus if you attack them um if not you can just like go up and and hit someone by clicking attack and there's a lot of like positioning that becomes important in that where You know, if you hit someone into another person, it will do more damage. Or if you hit someone into one of your allies, they'll do kind of a follow up attack. And it it just like it's really fun. And I think after having played so much of Octopath for 80 hours or whatever, like I really appreciate when they can make turn based combat something that feels always like you are having to figure out a puzzle or like that you're always kind of on your toes and doesn't ever really become just like a total slog or like rote, you know? Mm hmm. So I, I, yeah, I really appreciate the battle, but I think the stuff that I am here for and the stuff that is really drawing me along is the story and the thematic stuff that is happening in this game. The story is really fun. It's really like 
exciting and also gives you plenty of room to do these weird little side quests. Like, I think that's something that these Yakuza games are, are known for is just how like bizarre and strange all of their side quests are. Yeah. There's like a, a dating app that you can fully just spin off into for like hours at a time. There you go. Why not? Where it's like it, it is RPG ified being on Tinder oh, where man. it's like you have to say the right thing and like oh, do no. it in, in, in a short enough amount of time. And if like you do like a button prompt to say the correct thing. And if you don't, you like fuck it up. It goes, goes wrong. One of the things I spent just way too much time on this week is that there is this Don Doko Island. Uh That is, it's just Animal Crossing. They built Animal Crossing into this game where you go and like have to like make your island better, essentially. Mm hmm. Uh, build new shit, unlock different parts of the island, do different shit. Uh, it's it's so much fun. Like it, it's sort of a shock that they're able to build in so many different kinds of games into this game, and a lot of them are like pretty good. Yeah, like the Animal Crossing version of this game is pretty good, uh-huh. and also like hilarious because it is so the antithesis of Animal Crossing. It's like not cute and fun. Sure, it's like you're building like huge concrete buildings on your island, <laughs> and there's like constantly invaders showing up that you just have to go like beat up and kick them off your island it's really really funny I think the game nails its tone of just like it feels like you're playing Ichiban's game specifically like it's all just kind of water under the bridge it's all good even if it is serious like it's it, there there's room for fun and playfulness which is great it's it's like a really nice retreat or salve to the world being kind of fucked it, it's really nice and that's not to say this game it doesn't take a lot of shit seriously I think that like their look at how challenging it can be to live in Hawaii is mm-hmm. honest and real and like doesn't shy away from the fact that like there's a lot of homeless people here right and like how did that happen right the game does not say doesn't it suck that people are just lazy and can't get jobs it's like no it's like really fucking expensive here and like how does one find themselves in that situation i feel like they're very empathetic towards that struggle Mm -hmm. in a way that i kind of wasn't expecting them to be not that these games mishandle that shit but i feel like it is one thing to look at sort of the internal comings and goings of japan Mm -hmm. versus like going over and checking out like Hawaii or the United States or anything like that. Um, There's a part of me that I was worried, like, are they going to totally fuck this up? But I think for like, there's definitely missteps here and there, Mm -hmm. but I think for the most part, like it's pretty empathetic and pretty real with a lot of the ways that it's depicting the people in the game. That's good. Yeah, it's it's good. I I really appreciate their takes on a lot of this stuff. All that to say, I think that the theming of it is coming together the farther I play through this game. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it is pushing on what was good in my experience about the like a dragon games um and just taking it farther right i think it has a lot to say about masculinity mm-hmm. in a way that i kind of just don't expect sure a big rpg to say uh-huh. right i think it is important that in the first one again the people who they show in your party that are like your friends and the heroes are people that oftentimes like traditional masculinity kind of casts aside mm. a lot of like people who you know aren't quote-unquote like alpha males or shit like sure. that or people who aren't rich or mm-hmm. you know have a fucking sweet car or you know have a ton of girlfriends or anything like that a lot of these guys are not that ichiban is like not good at talking to women a lot of these people are like don't have jobs or that they're like they got aged out of their career or something Mm -hmm. and this one does the same thing i I think it shines more of a light on places or people that i think get 
the short shrift as far as like value go sure as in, in in traditional masculinity right like chronically ill people or mm-hmm. terminally ill people yeah or uh people who are doing kind of like menial jobs uh-huh. or something one of the first members of your party and i, I will speak in broad generalizations here but they're like a, a an uber driver right mm-hmm. like that's that's their job that they're doing at the time that you meet them and i think that on its own that that would be cool um, but I really do think that it it pushes in some areas that I really appreciate. Yeah. I feel like I see this a lot online where people will say, like, the left needs an Andrew Tate or a Jordan Peterson or something <laughs> like that, you know? What? <laughs> Just like the like progressives need a response to that person. Okay. Right? Or to that type of person, uh-huh. right? And I think I get the knee-jerk reaction there of like, we should have somebody who is also sticking up for like more progressive and like better values, right? Uh-huh. Rather than, you know, just leaving it, leaving the vacuum open to these total shitheads who like sure. for very much take advantage of people who are looking for how to be a man, you yeah. know? And I, I don't really agree that that's a thing that's possible mm-hmm. for like progressive circles, you know, I don't think that like the opposite of Jordan Peterson is just like another guy, you know, I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Like you can, you can point to specific people that I think are good and cool, but I, I oftentimes when I look at those dudes and kind of the racket that they're running around, like taking advantage of men who feel like they aren't uh, good enough or that they are need some kind of like guidance. Uh-huh. The opposite of that, I feel like a lot of the time is not a guy. It's a community, right? Like mm, the, sure. the the thing, the places where I see people embodying what I consider to be like progressive and open and empathetic masculinity mm-hmm. are a group of people rather than one dude who's like i've got it fucking figured out man yeah telling people how to think is not it's a it's progressive just, yeah, masculinity like, thing to do anyways totally not yeah, yeah. i think that like a, a a hallmark and again like i'm not a here to tell you what is or isn't masculine but a thing that i see that as valuable when you're looking at like how to like how to point your ship what direction to go and find out like what is a helpful way to exist as like a masculine person something that i find very helpful is like seeking out community and being empathetic and being vulnerable with people that you care about and that's Mm. just like so antithetical to the kind of the the racket that these like you know manosphere guys are running um, because it is that like the, the, I, I don't really know what else to call it. They're mostly preying on people for their own benefit. Yeah, absolutely. And so point there is that it's hard for me to imagine one dude embodying that stuff. One person being the arbiter or the like the the shield bearer for that way of thinking. And so I think it's really cool that in Yakuza, it is doing exactly that. It's showing you this community that is being built over the course of the game. And like notably, a lot of the people who you become the closest with in Yakuza start as enemies. Mm. They start as people who like want to do you harm or like have done you harm sure. in some in some instances where like somebody has really tried to fuck Ichiban over but because he is like such a empathetic and vulnerable dude he's like yeah that's fine i understand why they wanted to do that it was probably fucked up and i don't like that but like they're not beyond redemption yeah. you know like that's not something that i can't get over and mm-hmm. if they're willing to come with me and help me like 
great. I want to give them that chance. Yeah. Reminds me of a lot of new age, like anime protagonists, like shonen anime protagonists. Yeah. It's not too far off. Right. And I, I, I like, I think that there's a line between being like putting yourself on the line a lot of the times where it's like, there, there is some danger to that of not being able to take care of yourself. But I think that Ichiban is able to kind of embody the, the part of it where mm. he is able to tell them what he didn't like, but is also open to like, but yeah, you're still a person. Yeah. You're not like, yeah, like I still think you're very valuable. Mm-hmm. And a lot, again, a, a lot of the people in the game are like, dude, that's fucking crazy. I can't believe you would do that. Mm-hmm. And then they end up grouping up with him because they're like, I can't help it. Like he's, he's such a good person. And so you start to build this like community of people who embody those ideas that they also are like, they start to say, well, we need to be able to save this person because like I was given a chance. Mm-hmm. So this person should be given a chance too. Yeah. It's, it's just really good. It's really wonderful to see that kind of stuff. And I think that that's a hard thing to communicate in a video game, let alone anywhere else. Right. Yeah. The power of forgiveness, the power of forgiveness, the power of empathy and like vulnerability and being open and uh, not having this like very rigid definition of what masculinity means. Mm-hmm. Like I, f- I feel like I see that a lot with some of these like manosphere dudes of like they're very happy to define exactly what masculinity is or isn't sure. And that that ends up like boxing people in. Right. It, and that sucks. Like that's not not a healthy way to live. Mm-hmm. I think that like you should be able to have like a very broad and malleable version of what that means so that like you can have a lot of people included in that group. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I just think it's really cool that they're able to like hit that tone. And especially as you get farther on and especially with Kiryu, who like I think does sometimes carry a lot of the more damaging like parts of masculinity, not against anyone wolf. else. Yes. Yeah. There, there's the isolation that I think still kind of plagues a lot of like ideas around masculinity with like, I have to do this on my own. I have to be strong on my own and like not burden people. Right. I feel like you hear that a lot in people trying not to like hurt other people is like, oh, I don't want to burden them with my problems or I don't want to burden them with like asking for help or something like mm-hmm. that. And it's just, a, it, it's so damaging to the, to the person. Um, it can be so hurtful to your own sort of well being, And I think importantly, and in this game, you see how much that that is not true, right? Yeah. How, in, how important it can be to do that and let your friends and the people who care about you, like carry you a little bit, like hold some of the water for you. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, carry you in other places is incredibly defiant of some of those standards. Like he can be an incredibly soft person and uh, really does seem to not, not really care about like his status or like, you know, how much money he's making or anything like that. But he does embody some of those other stuff. Yeah. And so I think it's cool to see them kind of criticize that in a way that mm-hmm. doesn't feel like Kiri fucking sucks. It's just yeah. like he's a guy who has these beliefs and also has to challenge them mm-hmm. for his own well-being and the well-being of the people around him. <laughs> I like I will say the game, as, as good as it is about talking about masculinity, yeah. is like its female characters are written like just talk <laughs> shit. Dude. They're not good. <laughs> Like, you can't do it all. You just can't do it no, all. <laughs> no, I guess not. Like it is, it, I, I can't say it's like fully egregious, but I think it, the, the writing relies on like very kind of like tired tropes, right? Sure. There are like two female characters in, in the game that like meet up with each other and like join the party. And like, of course, the first thing they do is they're like, they're catty with each other and like see each other as like threats. I'm like, that's so tired of a trope, man. Yeah. 
so unnecessary. And so I think like this is definitely a dude's rock video game. Like <laughs> it's it's definitely about dudes and yeah. about dude stuff. And I think that that can be like valuable, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't think that there needs to be more representation of men in general, but I think there does need to be representation of healthy men yeah. in a way that isn't that doesn't feel like pandering. This game does sure. not feel like pandering to me. It's just like yeah, Ichiban's fucking cool, and these people are good, and they're helping each other. Yeah. Like, okay, perfect. Bring some more Ted Lasso into these games. A little bit, yeah. It is. It does kind of, like, approach that genre. So, yeah, I, I think that's all really good. But, yeah, it, it does come with the caveat that, like, these dudes are solving their problems a lot of the time with punches. Yeah. And also, uh, the women are not particularly well-written. Mm-hmm. So, it is it is imperfect in that way, but I do, appre- I, st- I do still appreciate what they're kind of showing and doing with you know, the men in their video game and, and how they all interact. There's, I, it, it, it helps that this game is kind of long. There are a lot of instances for them p- to be able to do that and a lot of different characters that they can show you and how they sort of like reflect and mirror either Ichiban or Kiryu in this game. Mm-hmm. It's really good. I like, it, it's very bizarre that this is the game that it is. I think it has the kind of like mechanical depth and breadth that you find in something like GTA, but like, man, it couldn't be more different than that game. Sure. I think that like GTA has a very pessimistic outlook on the world. Yes. And one that like is hard to exist in for me for very long. Mm -hmm. Right. It's something that I was very interested in when I was younger, but as I get older, I just find it really challenging to be in that world because everybody's like just fucked. (laughs) You know, everybody's terrible to each other. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, it's a video game, so sure, maybe, but I find this a much easier place to exist in a video game. There's some toxicity in, in Grand Theft Auto, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And like, you know, I listen, I am also a person who I know how to turn my brain off sometimes and just play the fucking video game. But I find that much easier in like, I don't know, something like Slay the Spire or something where it's just like, a, yeah, it's a mechanical <laughs> yeah. turn my brain off rather than like I have to over like look over the beliefs that are in this game and that are kind of supporting it, you know? Yeah. But this one is not that case. I find it really joyful and really cool to see just exactly how everything is playing out. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's a really good game. Runs good. Looks good. <laughs> Runs good. Looks good. It's huge. The game, the video game is very big and long. Mm-hmm. So like if you're worried about not getting enough out of it, don't. There's plenty of video game in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I. The only other thing I did want to mention is that like it was bizarre to play this game because I really like the English voice actor for Ichiban. Uh-huh. I think he does such a good job. But I have really only heard Kiryu in Japanese because like most of those earlier Yakuza games only really came with Japanese. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's very strange to hear like a English, English voice actor. English Kiryu. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. It really changes how the character feels when you get that. Yeah, it, it, he does. Um, and so I, I, I wonder if people who are like really uh, big time Yakuza fans would be able to like figure that out or like find which one works better. But for my money, once you get used to it, like the voice actor who does him is doing a great job. So I, I, I'm sure either Japanese or English voice cast would like work really good. Nice. So yeah, that's that's what I've been playing a lot of, um, and I will continue to play it. I would really love to see the end of this game because it does feel like, as we've said before, it's capital S saying something. Yeah. And I want to see what that is. Mm-hmm. I want to kind of see how these characters evolve and where they get to by the end of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Good. Good, good video stuff. game. I love that he's just a happy guy. It's just like oh trying God, to do good yeah. things. He's so good. Yeah, like it's I also like like shonen anime, so it's not <laughs> 
you know, surprised that mm-hmm. I would really like him. But I also think that he's just like he is grounded enough that it doesn't feel like just this kind of blubbering, mm. weird dude who's like, sure. I'm going to do the right thing all the time. Uh-huh. He's like, he feels real in a way that I, that I really appreciate. Yeah. Much closer to Goku than to, uh, you know, My Hero Academia or something sure. like that. Sure. He's not thinking too hard about what it means to be doing good. He's just like, I'm just going to no. do some good. I'm, yeah, he's very head empty. He's not really considering like how I should or shouldn't act. This is natural to him. Mm-hmm. And like, he's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally committed to being the way that I am. So that's what I have to do. Like barring my own safety, the, the, it's fine. I, I'll do whatever. And even then sometimes like, ah, fuck it. I'll just go throw myself into this dangerous situation because like someone's in danger or like someone isn't getting what they deserve mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's good, man. Cool. Yeah. Having a great time. I want to see what the rest of the game holds. Nice. The other game that I've been playing, David, uh-huh. is this game called enshrouded is the the video game okay nice this is a early access game that i heard on uh besties the besties Uh podcast um griffin had brought this up almost in passing and i was like hey that sounds like a cool game it was like this sort of like survival game with a little bit of like dark souls combat Mm -hmm. and i was like i like that i like the idea of that Mm -hmm. and i had also seen i think a preview on like steam or something like that way back when and uh i was interested like it just it looked Uh, interesting yeah and so i got it it came out like fully in early access recently i was like yeah i will definitely pick this up and and check it out Mm -hmm. this game is very good okay i was not expecting it to be this good as promised uh so it is this game made by keen games and the survival genre i think the the contemporaries you can think about are things like valheim or rust or the forest or something like that sure and like in a way to Minecraft, like that's one of the first ones right, of this kind of survival genre. Um, and even something like Subnautica is is in this genre. Mm-hmm. Pal world. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. But like genuinely. Yes. Yeah. It, it's it's in there. And I would say most of these games don't hook me in a way that I'm like sure. really interested in, except for the ones that do. And then I like fully fall down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, I think Subnautica is like the notable example for me of like a game that is interested in survival, but also I was like very, very into. I tried Valheim and like just wasn't really crazy about it. I, I didn't feel the pull to go back there. I think a lot of my own resistance to that is a lot of those games are like wildly mechanically dense. Mm. Like there's just so much shit that you need to learn or figure out how to do that. I, I don't know if I just don't have the like video game language to like translate from one video game to another, like the common stuff that's in any of those genres. But yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's really hit or miss for me sometimes what, what any of those games are doing. Sure. But like I said, I really like the ones that, that hit. Yeah. And so I'm always kind of looking for like, is this going to be the one? Am I going to be interested in this? Am I going to be playing and, this for another hundred hours? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it is like, I I do enjoy these like kind of hugely mechanical experiences from time to time where I can just kind of like play the game and that's it. But yeah, so I fired this one up and was like, okay, I hope that this is going to be something that I'm into. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, it is. It it is definitely a survival game. You definitely have to chop down trees to make a house and uh, hit enough rocks to make uh, different parts of a house or a crafting table or something like that. Mm -hmm. But as promised, it does have a lot of FromSoft in it. I think that the easiest comparison is that the combat is kind of similar. Like it's fairly heavy. Sure. And you, you, it's not 
super forgiving. Like you can't just go up and hit somebody and have that be the way that you engage with combat. Mm -hmm. You do have to do a fair bit of like dodge rolling and reading your opponent and making sure that like you are not getting hit very often, which is like hard, but I, I wouldn't say it is nearly as hard as almost any FromSoft game. Like it's definitely more forgiving than that. Sure. But I think it has, it is on that scale of challenge, um, just not quite as far as FromSoft takes it, but it is there, right? You do have to be considerate of how, how to fight the enemies. So all that's there, but I think just the the deeper connection that they have to FromSoft, and I think specifically Elden Ring is the closest thing that I can see, because the game starts and you kind of just have this like very simple introduction of like, all right, I woke up from this weird place, kind of, you know, reminds me a little bit of Breath of the Wild, right? Mm-hmm. And they lead you through a cave where it's like, here's how to hit shit. Here's how to, here's how to use a torch. Here is how to craft like a, a bandage for yourself. Um, and they also introduce you to this mechanic called the, the shroud. Okay. which is this area that is like kind of cloaked in mist oh, spooky and whenever yeah a little spooky right very, i think it is a very from soft concept uh-huh. the shroud and essentially what it is is that anytime you are in this area that is uh covered in shroud it starts a timer at the top of the game mm-hmm. and it's like hey you got five minutes to not be in shroud oh uh or you die or you right? die whoa or you die is it kind of like in Fortnite when you ha- when you get uh, when the map shrinks, you have to like go somewhere? A little bit, yeah. It is. It is. It's not as dynamic as the Fortnite one because a lot of the places that are covered in shroud are they're defined by the game. Like the game sure. is very authored as far as like the map goes. Uh-huh. It is not like a procedurally generated map. But whenever you get down into this area, it kind of starts a timer. Yada yada yada. But. The first time you go through it, it's like very easy to get through the shroud, right? Yeah. Like you're you're probably through that area in 30 seconds and mm-hmm. you come out of it and your timer immediately pops back up and you're fine. It's not like chipping away at your health. It's just this other timer that is slowly counting down. Gotcha. But what it does introduce you to is that like you will need to balance this at some point, that there will mm-hmm. be places where it is dangerous for you to be there, but you will have to figure out how to navigate them in a timely manner. You then sort of like pop out of this area and it's the first kind of clearing that you get to where it's like, all right, here's where you can build a base, right? Pick a spot, pick a base and, um, you know, build it up, which is again, pretty traditional base building stuff. You have this in Subnautica too, where it's like, you should probably pick a spot to, to be your kind of base of operations. And so you can do that here. It's really cool. It's really fun. I think it is like, it is simple enough while still having depth present to still really be like a a thrill to be like, all right, cool. I built my house. I have a place where the monsters aren't going to fuck me up. If I try to millennials dream, I have a house. I have a house and I didn't have to pay a 6.5 interest rate for it. Oh, man. I just built it. I should do a Kirby game like this. Kirby gets a house. Kirby gets a house. Millennial Kirby comes back. Rears his ugly head once again. <laughs> Rears his skinny jeans skinny once again. Skinny jeans once again. They're back. So yeah, it, it offers you this place to build your base, which is all very cool. And then uh, very smartly, the next like area of the map that you look at, it very much does the Elden Ring thing where you can see very far. There are a lot of areas you can see that you could probably get to, but the game is split up into this topography where like you see highland areas, like the ones that you're standing on currently, but there are a lot of valleys between them 
And a lot of those valleys are covered in shroud, right? Mm-hmm. So it becomes this very cool push and pull of like, I want to go down in there to get the cool shit that is definitely in there, right? Like once you go down into the shroud, it's immediately clear that like there was probably an abandoned civilization that lived down here. There's a bunch of stuff for me to collect that would help me build better armor or tools or anything like that. But I have to be careful because it's there's way more enemies down here and I have to watch that timer, right? Mm-hmm. And so it is such a fun push and pull of like, I I see so many cool things off in the horizon that I want to go check out and like just visually are interesting, right? Like I think that in something like Subnautica, there there that happens every now and then where you enter kind of a new biome and you're like, oh God, what is this area, right? What is going on in here? Mm-hmm. Uh, the depth suddenly has become much larger and I can go down to different areas and do different shit. And and this one is doing a similar thing that it's, it's, it's compelling. I'm really entranced to go look and find other shit. Uh, the game very explicitly gives you like quests and things that you can go do and map markers to check out. Yeah. And the the map is very cool. It's all this, again, it's very fog of worry. Like you barely can see any part of where you're at. Uh And so it is enticing in the way that Elden Ring and Breath of the Wild are, where I am compelled by the world. Like just the the visuals of the world are enough for me to be like, hey, I want to go check out what's going on out there, Mm -hmm. which is A, a very hard thing to do. And B, I don't really know that I've seen that done outside of Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom and Elden Ring. Like that's pretty much it as far as the the list of, yeah, it is very unique. And so to see it applied to this survival genre, I think is really cool. Like I am pretty shocked at the level of quality that the world has and the world building in this game that like I, it says it's in early access, but like the game feels exceptionally polished already. Like I think the stuff that I find in early access that sometimes turns me away is the lack of story content the lack of polish on like the UI and shit. Mm -hmm. But this one is like, it feels great. It it is definitely taking some influence from Breath of the Wild as far as like the UI goes and sort of just the feel, the user experience of the game. Yeah. And I think it's doing it really well. Again, I'm very surprised that like this is what they call early access. I'm sure they're going to add a bunch of shit, but I have played it for a long time and have not hit like any sort of like game breaking bugs or any parts that's like, hey, this is a work in progress. Come back later. Not to mention, there's like a fucking like skill tree in this game, which is very cool. Uh, not something I was expecting at all. Like feels very uh, well thought out and mm-hmm. cool. And um, this is a game that you can play with like a lot of people. So I would be interested in, you know, what is a 12 person game this game look like? And everybody's able to kind of like spec a little bit of like, I want to be a ranger or I want to be a warrior or I want to be a mage. Their magic system is very cool in this game mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. In I, I don't know. I'm I am really impressed with this game. Sounds like it. I think that it is a hard thing to be compared to some of the best games that have come out in the last five years. Yeah, the right? ones you've been talking about in comparison to it are, are some pretty lofty titles. Yes, yeah. Like, And I think that you could, in a, in a kind of, I don't know, pessimistic read of this game, it can sound a little bit like uh, like a bad game pitch, you know, like, dude, what if there was Breath of the Wild and Elden Ring and like Minecraft in the same game? <laughs> it sounds bad. Uh-huh. Like That doesn't sound like a thing that would actually be ho- cohesive, but I think they've done the work on the world building mm-hmm. 
to actually make that something that is possible. I think that they've really done a lot of really good stuff here. And I, I also think that they have taken a lot of the very sparse lore building that the FromSoft games have. Like the, the, the world is largely uninhabited. And also you mostly just find like little notes left around. Mm-hmm that do not tell you a direct story. It is much more like references to things or places that you do not know about. Sure. Which is cool. It's nice to see that they're able to have their own sort of twist on the kind of airy storytelling that that a lot of the FromSoft games have, where it's like you're just getting vibes a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. I, I think that they have, have done a really admirable job with a lot of this stuff. Sure. Into the Aether really frequently talks about how games seem to take some of the wrong lessons from FromSoft games. Like, yeah, they they mentioned bonfires and fog walls a lot of the time. Uh-huh. Like, a game will have those and think like, yeah, we're we're a FromSoft game, and it's much harder to look at like how does the world building serve this game, mm. or how does the literal physical act of like putting a mountain this far away with an obstacle in the middle and like some scary noises Uh (laughs) in the background. Like how do you build a a game like that to the point where it all is cohesive and works and entices the player, right? Yeah. Because this game doesn't have fog walls. It Mm -hmm. doesn't have bonfires. Yeah. Uh, it has a fire for sure, uh-huh. but that's something that you choose where to build. So like it, uh, it, it kind of loops back in on the survival part of these games in a way that I think is like really satisfying. I think they've that's done, cool. yeah. yeah, they've, they've done a great job making those two things mesh in a way that actually makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Very interested in what this game looks like with like more than one person, but I'll also say like I'm having a great time on my own too. Yeah. Uh, like this game is very playable if you're just looking for like a solo experience. Mm-hmm. So either one is is like very possible. Yeah, it's it's great. I'm really surprised by this. Uh, I, I I not that I would love to have more complaints, but I like I feel like I'm just kind of gushing. telling you all the cool. Yeah, I'm gushing yeah. about it in a way that I'm I'm surprised to have had that experience. I will say I absolutely have to very consistently switch my control scheme in this game mm-hmm. meaning i whenever i'm building a base i do it with my uh, mouse and keyboard because oh, like, it's sure. so hard yeah. to do that and then i just pick up my controller whenever i want to fight someone because i'm like totally inept at playing a FromSoft game on a keyboard i could not imagine doing that just simply cannot so that's extra hard mode <laughs> yeah for real oh. it, it, it sort of works because the game is very merciful with like if you just start playing with the other controller it's like yeah i got you it's fine like mm-hmm. you can just start playing you don't have to go into the options and switch something which is uh it's great it's good for me a person who like only kind of knows how to play computer games with my with my hands in in certain mechanical experiences yes yeah so yeah that's enshrouded i'm really enjoying it i think it's worth a look it's also kind of exploding right now so it's totally possible that like you listener have heard heard about this game already Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of interest on Steam and like the the sheer number of Steam reviews kind of is, is a testament to how popular it is right now. But I had certainly almost missed it. So if any of that sounds interesting, it's worth a look. Uh, it's also like pretty. It's also very good looking. Like it runs at 60 frames a second on my computer and looks beautiful. So mm-hmm. like, I don't know, man, what do you want? It's good. <laughs> it's a good video game. What more do you want from me? I'm telling you, it's good. It's a good game. You get to swing a sword and build a house and... There's kind of spooky vibes and there's a glider too. You can glide. It's cool. <laughs> it's got everything. It's got everything you want. Just nobody to kiss, which is always a tragedy, but you know. No dating sim. No, 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 no sim. Tinder dating sim in this one. No, there's no Tinder dating sim. It's, uh, you know, can't win them all. 
Sure can't. Anyway, David, this will bring me to my optimistic thing of the week, which is it is this bananas preview for Death Stranding 2 that we have recently been gifted. Oh, yeah. What in the world is going on in this video game? I mean, man? they did it again. That's what we all thought when we saw the first preview for the original Death Stranding. I know. Just like, what know. is happening? And yeah, we're, we're, he's back at it. I'm seeing it, man. Like, and like, I, uh, this is going to come off in a way that I think it, I, I don't intend it to, but I think parts of Death Stranding 1 felt like there was a little bit in, a, a less of some wackiness that mm-hmm. I expect from Hideo and like that, that team. And like, it's there for sure in that game. I think if you played a lot of it, you would be hard pressed to be like, you know, I don't feel the influence of Hideo here, but Comparing it to some of the nuts shit that we got in other video games, like some of it is pared back. Mm-hmm. It's like a more serious game than some of the wild shit that was happening in like even Metal Gear Solid 2. Uh, but hey, nope, it's back. We got a weird <laughs> little talking puppet that is animated in like six frames a second or something. Ugh. We got Troy Baker playing this weird Joker rock star man <laughs> that shoots laser beams out of an electric guitar. Like what is going I on? I mean, that's pretty cool. It's amazing. It's all very good. And so like I I am just fully entranced. I have no idea what this game is doing story wise. Like a lot of stuff seemed pretty final about the last game. So how did we get here? Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm all in, man. I'm very excited for whatever whatever we got going on Two death two stranding we're at it Two death two stranding i'm i'm here i'm ready <laughs> david do you have something fueling your sense of optimism i do uh it's what a good it? deck building roguelike chase oh man you were preaching to the choir i, know. I thought you'd be friend. happy with that one <laughs> yeah absolutely tell me tell me about your love for this genre david uh it it, it scratches an itch that only it can scratch mm-hmm. you know that's true probably my first experience with this type of game was tabletop version was dominion i don't if anyone yes, else has yeah. played that game mm-hmm. a very fun game always loved it always wanted more of dominion uh because it's just there's something about when you get a good deck going you just feel so powerful uh and yes. you feel also very smart because you are the mm-hmm. one who crafted that deck yes which is always yeah. a great feeling everyone loves to feel smart right love to feel like a genius um and i also love picking new cards because then you really mm-hmm. have to make some interesting decisions of like what could this card do for me what what could mm-hmm. the possibilities be with this card with this totem with whatever it is that you're trying to do just lots of yeah. very fun interesting decisions you can make and that almost always they result in something that is going to make your deck more powerful but whether or not it's mm-hmm. actually something that is powerful in a good way uh, is up to how you've crafted the deck in the first place yeah so just lots of great decisions to be made lots of great questions that you have to ask yourself about what you are trying to do with this deck and if you just go in like wheel and dealing you're probably going to get stomped actually you, yeah. you most definitely are going to get stomped pretty Almost much every time yeah. uh you gotta you gotta really think <laughs> yeah so it, it hits this nice middle ground of really engaging my brain but not having to engage my my motor cortex quite as much uh yes. to dodge and parry and block the way i need to in like a dark souls type of game uh, because yeah. I think the flow state that it gets me in decision making is very similar to like a FromSoft game mm-hmm. or a Lies of P or an Entrouded, yeah. but <laughs> in a very cer- much more cerebral, like wholly cerebral, cerebral way, as mm-hmm. opposed to brain and hands talking to each other, which is a different and I think overall more engaging experience in the moment, but also a much more tiring and stressful experience in the moment. Yeah, uh, sure. So it, it, it's just a nice way to get that, scratch that itch of something that is challenging and feels like something that I want to spend my time doing as far as mm-hmm. like just mechanically speaking, but, you know, being also 
mindful of my own energy levels at the end of the day. So sure. Yeah, totally. I, I definitely have a preference to play deck building roguelikes at nighttime yeah. when my brain is winding down. Mm-hmm. It's like a little brain massage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. Feels good. Video games, man. Video games. So good. Well, hey, do you want to move on to our main thing? Let's do it. Welcome to Good Games. I'm still, I'm still chomping. <laughs> still chomping. Not welcome to Good Games. Get out. <laughs> we don't want We're you here yet. Come back in one minute. David's eating. Wait. It's a delicious citrus. Ooh, what do you got? Satsuma. Oh, what is this? I don't think I it's know like what Satsuma an, is. Uh, it's like a tangerine. Mm-hmm. But it's known for being very peelable. Mm. An easy peeler. Ooh. Love an easy peeler, gotta say. It just wants to jump out of that peel at you. Sometimes, like, when I'm fucking around with an orange and I'm just getting, like, one tiny little, like, nail full of orange uh-huh. each time I try and peel that thing. Yeah. God. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. It's like, yeah. I, I, like, I like the way an orange smells, but I don't know if I want that under my fingernails all the time. No, you really get the oils under there. It's a very intense smell. Yeah. And the worst is like if you're trying to peel it, but then you push too hard and you start to make the juice come out and then you got juice on your fingers with the oil and then it's all intense oil flavor, but also sticky. It's the worst. (laughs) Citrus, man. It's a, it's a bummer sometimes. It can be tough. Yeah. You really got to be careful with it. I feel like that's why uh, a little tangerine, a lot easier. Absolutely. A lot easier to peel. Yep. Tangerine supremacy. They are good. I feel like the size of them is what I want yeah, when I like, like reach for a citrusy fruit, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. An orange is kind of a lot. An Those are big bastards lot. sometimes. An orange is a lot. I can't deal with a whole orange most of the time. Yeah. It's a pretty intense experience. I kind of just need like a little guy, you know? <laughs> the little guys again. A weird little guy. Chase. A tangerine is definitely a weird, a weird little, little guy. guy. It's a weird little guy at the citrus world for sure absolutely that and a citron although citrons i think are kind of big Mm. i don't know if they're small otherwise they'd be for sure the weird little guy grapefruit's way too big to be a weird little guy oh yeah that's a behemoth that is a behemoth finger lime is a pretty weird little guy that's not finger limes are weird (laughs) that's not the shape that i expect a lime to come in and then they have the insides which is like caviar yes Mm. yeah very weird one that's 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 a a top contender (laughs) that might rise to beyond a weird little guy (laughs) That's a fucking freak. Yeah, that's something else. That's a that's citrus a freak. The, that's a different guy. Well, kefir lime though, the the like the texture on the outside of those guys all bumpy and stuff. Mm, the bumpy I don't know lime. About that. Yeah, the bumpy lime. Bumpy lime. Are you finished with your fruit? Oh yeah, I'm done. Okay. Uh, welcome to Good Games. It's the segment where we talk about the okayest <laughs> games of yesteryear and uh, gush all the things that we love about them. Back again with a, a listener suggestion. Yes. It was uh, thematically appropriate after we covered the uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! and the Falsebound Kingdom mm-hmm. because it was a genre that I had never really engaged with, but apparently it's also connected to this game called Ogre Battle 64, Ooh. Um, which is the game that we played. Yeah. <laughs> the way that you said, ooh, kind of jump scared me. Oh, <laughs> you didn't expect me to ooh. I, I, it made it sound like you're like, oh, a game that I have not played. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was like, the oh, wrong no. one. I actually oh, played Ogre oh, Battle 64 too. Yeah. Oops. It's uh that one's the card the deck building roguelike. I I god again, I would play that. You you would definitely play that. <laughs> but yeah, they're like kind of similar games and so I uh, thought we'd do that. This one was uh, suggested to us by listener Dave C. Thank you Dave. Thanks Dave. Thank you Dave. Strong name. Strong name, yeah. Getting a a double dose of Dave today. <laughs> 
the double D dose? I mean, I'm, 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 I need are you vitamin tri- D. Are you, is this a triple D dose for you today? This might be a triple D. Yeah, Ooh. I'm getting so much vitamin Dave today. You smell the, you smell grease in the background right now because you might have summoned Guy Fieri to, to your home. <laughs> and this is triple D. <laughs> Yuck. Dave, Dave, and vitamin D. Yugs Fieri himself is there. <laughs> yeah, no, he's lurking. Hey, before we go too far, can I hit you with some hot stats about Ogre Battle 64, Dave? Please. Hot stats. Hot stats. So uh, this game came out October 6th of 2000 in North America and July 14th, 1999 in Japan. So a little over a year between those two. This was made by the Quest Corporation, which you will, of course, know from their hits as Battle Ping Pong. (laughs) Magical Chase. Love that. Whoa, okay. And the other Ogre Ogre games. There are sort of two series of games. There's a lot of Ogre games. Yes, there there is Ogre Battle, which kind of represents this this kind of game, and then Tactics Ogre as well, Mm. which is the sort of spiritual predecessor to Final Fantasy Tactics. It's like the... I think the one of the producers or designers went from the Quest Corporation after building the Tactics Ogre game to build Final Fantasy Tactics. So oh. it's got that like like the topography is really important. So it's the spiritual predecessor? Yes, it came before it. Whoa, okay, cool. So yeah, some some DNA there, some square huh. DNA. I do have a review from our friends at Joe Video of Ogre Battle 64. I took their review, ran it through Google Translate a number of times, one language into another to just, you know, fuck it up real good, which I'll read for you now. Hell yeah. Ogre Man 64, Man of God Caliber, is the best game on the market, but it was abandoned in space. Due to its high price, Virtual Console was released in March 2010 without a Frenchman. (laughs) But it is still worth a try, because once you enter, you can't leave. Whoa. And they gave that a 17 out of 20. Okay. I hate when my games drop without a Frenchman, dude. I was about to say, the the lack of a Frenchman is really the worst thing about this game. Modern game design, dude, la- <laughs> when they say lazy devs, they're just saying there's no Frenchman Where did in all the games. Frenchmen go? Where are they? <laughs> Where's my French Joel? Where's my French Mario? Where's my French Sonic? We just need Michel Ancel in all games now. <laughs> Where's my uh, Jean Reno in every single video game other than Oni Oni Musha, Musha, three. Right. He's got to be in another game. He's got to mm. be. He's got to be. What's your guess? If he is another one, what, 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 what else do you think he's been in? Soul Calibur. Oh my God. David, you and I both played Soul Calibur. Can you imagine if Jean Reno was just in that <laughs> just video a character. game? He can be Darth Vader or Jean Reno. <laughs> Two souls intertwined in a battle for life. One of them, an ancient swordsman. The other, just Jean Reno. Was it just like Jean Reno as Jean Reno, or Jean Reno as like a character from a from a from one of his movies? No, just him. It's just the actor, Jean, yeah. just chain smoking out there. <laughs> his weapon is his cigarette. David, as it turns out, Jean Reno was in two video games besides Onimusha, including Onimusha. <laughs> so he's been in one other game. He's been in one other game. Resident Evil. I don't know. <laughs> it is in fact called Le Visiteur Le Jeux. Excuse me. Is that Jean Reno on the right? It, he's on the. He's in this video game. What is this? Who's the other guy? It's Ubisoft. It is Ubisoft, yeah. Apparently came out in 1998 on Windows. This may be something we have to play. This looks like absolute dump. This game does not look good. It's giving me big Monty Python vibes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. David, what is Ogre Battle 64? 
How did we get to Sean Renault? Anyways. Uh, really fell down that hole for a second there. Really fell down that hole. Uh, so Ogre Battle 64 is a real-time strategy tactics style game yeah. in the vein of a Yu-Gi-Oh. I guess a Yu-Gi-Oh is an invade of this game, actually. <laughs> yes, yeah. So you control a character on a large map with different points of interest that you can send them to, usually some sort of mm-hmm. fort. And you can do that with several different characters as well. So you can send them all off into different directions to fight different battles. And they take time to walk there. And it will you know, sometimes they'll get tired and they'll set up a tent. They're, if they take over a place like a, like a fort and rest there, they, they regain their, their health right from the battle. And each unit has a commander who you see their sprite of on, on the screen when they're walking around to go to different areas. But they have like a little battalion of, of, of people as well to fight with them Mm -hmm. so you have this overworld that has all these points of interest and you send your units into different spots right but then the battles are you know not even you you don't even really attack or anything it just goes into the battle and you can kind of say okay i want to attack the strongest enemy the weakest enemy or anywhere in between yeah and it's just kind of back and forth and just based off of your stats you either win or you lose and you can have multiple battles between groups of groups of people and an enemy right Mm -hmm. uh so it's this kind of tug of war and you push them away if you win and kind of take their spot but they'll come back at you and fight you again and they can push you away again if they if they beat you the next time so it's this Mm -hmm. interesting not really battles of attrition but uh battles of very much space uh you're trying to control space on this map uh by effectively distributing your troops to different areas so yeah very similar to the Yu-Gi-Oh game pretty much the same as the Yu-Gi-Oh game um, yeah but they, a little better seem... ui in this one i think sure yeah that makes sense yeah very very spiritually connected video games all things considered yes. like the the rts genre i find is a lot easier to find on pc or yes. like mouse and keyboard games mm-hmm. so the console versions i feel like all have a similar kind of dna in them it's an interesting way of doing a rts game for a console right it makes sense when you think about it but it definitely doesn't not does not feel like a starcraft game no no yeah the pace of it is much different yeah there's there's the pace is different and there's no resource management really uh besides you know your troop health essentially yeah people Yeah, yeah people yeah, no, that's it. How'd you feel? How'd you feel about this one, David? I, I I liked this one a little bit more than the Yu-Gi-Oh one. Mm-hmm. I think I was not prepared for the Yu-Gi-Oh one at all for such a different experience. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really grok it. But after playing that one and then going to this one, you, the, the DNA is so similar that I understood this one more readily. Didn't have to yeah. have so much time learning new rules to get to mm-hmm. you know the fun part. Um, and I also took your advice and I, I ramped that emulator up pretty high uh because man (laughs) they still do walk quite slow around the map yes Um, and this one also had a in-game setting to increase the the speed of the characters as well which i appreciated so you could really get going pretty darn quick in this one but and i think i I talked about it earlier i think the ui in this one was a little bit better the the sprites popped off the screen a little bit more it wasn't so Mm -hmm. kind of muddy looking so you could kind of understand a little bit more where your character was and what they were doing uh, and how to control them and what commands you were giving them as opposed to the Yu-Gi-Oh game which felt left a little bit more to the imagination sometimes Mm -hmm. but now that I get how to play these games I would be curious to go back and play that Yu-Gi-Oh game and see if I can get to the part where it's more enjoyable for me sure it was hard to get to that one for the with me for the Yu-Gi-Oh for the first time but yeah I did find myself enjoying this and uh, maybe it's that I also just love swords and sorcery 
like fan mm-hmm. high fantasy stuff and it definitely has a pretty large story it is trying to tell in this game mm-hmm. there's a lot going on uh, there is, yeah. it is a long game it seems as yes, well yeah uh, quite lengthy uh so it's, it's it has this epicness to it which mm-hmm. keeps me going as well and a lot of interesting characters you know uh, pretty basic characters but uh fun nonetheless yeah they're definitely present it's like not not the same thing but in the vein of an octopath where yeah. like i understand the archetypes we're going with here but like it is fun yeah to, to be around these people they're archetypes because you know? they're tried and true you know yeah you got the yeah, you yeah. got the the mr good man always does right guy and then the old mm-hmm. teacher and grumpy grumpy uh companion slash Dude, rival. such a shithead that companion is so bad Dio. yes dio yeah <laughs> no, pretty much the villain <laughs> But yeah, it was good, good characters. Good characters. They're fun. Yeah, silly, for sure. simple, but gives it enough flavor to make it interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I man, the the emulator speed really does make the game a lot easier to yeah. to play. Yeah, I think I was playing like a double speed most of the time because mm-hmm. even then it doesn't feel like I'm having to like whip my characters around or anything. Like you can, you definitely can still have plenty of time to figure out what to do. Yeah, it gets I guess a little bit more complicated when you're starting to deal out like a ton of different units mm-hmm. but even then it, it's pretty easy to just like you know grab one of them and move them where you need them to go yeah i really did not play this game correctly the first time <laughs> that i booted it up i saw that the like one dude that you start with um I think magnus, magnus is yeah magnus is the standard name of the character that that you get put in there as mm-hmm. I had assumed that like, oh, they're teaching me how to play the game. This is my only guy that I have. Mm. And so I fought that whole battle with just him and his team the first time and definitely got killed at the boss. And I was like, I don't feel like I really messed up that badly. Like, Mm -hmm. how does this game expect me to play it? Yeah. And then uh, did two things. One, uh, pulled up a let's play because I was like, surely I'm doing something wrong. And then got to the like point where they're like, okay, here's the first level. And they had like eight different squads rolling around the map. Yep. I'm like, ah, okay. I see my issue yes. here. Got to get all the homies. Yeah. Essentially, you just have to like start dispatching squads from the like main castle that you have. So there's like mm-hmm. a bunch of units moving around, which also answers the question of like, initially I was like, how do I beat these units? Because whenever I chase after them, they just run away. They sure do. And it's become so like this, this, a really very slow chase. <laughs> Yeah. And, and so you need another unit to kind of like pincer move pincer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need to connect with them to beat them. So to answer that question, but then also something that I feel like I've said before, but haven't taken a lot of action on recently is I'll say like, oh, this game must have had a big manual. And then uh, at the same time realized those exist on the internet. I should just go look at it. Yeah. Sure enough, the like 40 page manual for this game is very detailed about how to play the game Dang. and so i think that again it was just an arrow where they were relying on you having a manual and reading they through expected it to you like, just read the manual yeah yeah like to understand like what is going on in the game because there is a lot of shit in there and as much as i i agree that like the ui is better in this one it's more clear like what each of the buttons do yeah i still didn't know <laughs> that i had to dispatch more than one person you know i only knew because uh, i was just started pressing buttons mm-hmm. that's that's a, a good idea to be fair <laughs> But uh, yeah, played it wrong the first time, had a much better time the second uh, go through and then, you know, obviously got farther than the time I was trying to solo every every fight that I had. Did you at least get them like really leveled up? Um, I mean, the first time I went through, no, because I died. Oh, sure. But uh, the second time I was still like fairly choosy with who I was sending out there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they, they definitely leveled up a lot. So yeah, uh, I, I like this game a lot. I, I think this is really good. I love this approach at 
the genre. Mm-hmm. Like RTS is something that can feel very intimidating to get into. There's so much knowledge that you need uh, yeah. and so much like just understanding of the genre to know what to do. And I think simplifying it like you have here and then also in the Yu-Gi-Oh game, like it is so cool. That presents such a cool way to play these games and just something that I'm totally unfamiliar with. So it's bizarre to see these at at the same time coming out around the same time. Obviously, like the RTS genre is full of games, but a lot of them do not try to simplify the the games that they're playing or, you know, make them for a console. Mm -hmm. Matt. Uh, from can't let it go chimed in in our, our discord chat that or are we preparing for unicorn overlord uh, which is a game that i didn't know what that was i was recommended this game when i went to gamestop to buy octopath really? traveler 2 and they're like oh, wow. if you like that one unicorn overlord after they told me that i'm a man of uh of taste after buying octopath <laughs> traveler 2 it, i mean it i understand the connection there because it it's definitely doing the like two and a half d uh-huh. uh visual style but it's definitely doing the art rts on a console thing it looks really interesting i'm like very uh interested in what's going on here is that out yet no it's in comes out in march okay i will for sure be picking this up to kind of round out the the experience of playing these games mm-hmm. this year but yeah, I, I I was I was really impressed. I thought this game was great. Yeah, uh, like you said, I think that the 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 story is really interesting and like is doing enough that I'm like, yeah. what's what's going on with this rebellion? Why do I work for the kingdom and all that sort of stuff? Yeah. Like that's cool. That's the rebellion people seem much cooler than the kingdom people. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Why is that? What's going on there? Mm-hmm. So all that's very good. It is you know about as deep as an N64 game goes, right? Like it's not groundbreaking, but. I think that the the RPG or the number of RPGs on the N64 was just like not super high. I feel like that didn't kind of come back around until like the PS2 era. And I guess I should say there's plenty of RPGs on PS1. The N64 just like didn't get a lot of them mm-hmm. other than, you know, like the Mario RPGs and shit. And that's something that uh, Dave had actually mentioned too. Mm-hmm. He was, I had asked him like, you know, what were your feelings about this game? And he had mentioned like promoting dozens upon dozens of characters across different classes, then commanding them across uh, real-time strategy maps to engage in 5v5 skirmishes tickled just the right part of my adolescent and teenage brain as I was developing my taste for strategy RPGs. Mm-hmm. Uh, wrapped in a gate, great campaign, uh, in my opinion, Ogre Battle 64 contends for the best RPG on the RPG-starved Nintendo 64. Mm. I don't know. I don't know where my like my top RPGs. I do actually like Paper Mario quite a bit, so You're I don't, a big I don't fan. know if that one would uh, do it, but yeah. I agree that there is there's a lot of depth here on a console that isn't always known for its mechanical depth you know yeah that controller was weird a controller was weird man yeah it's it's a tough sell going back and playing some of those games three prongs two hands doesn't work god it's it's so strange how did they land on that like that being the thing hey it's iconic though it is iconic it's it absolutely is like i can't deny you there Mm -hmm. what other what other rpgs were on n64 quest 64 i'll think of cruising and zelda (laughs) I don't know if cruising, <laughs> cruising USA. Counts oh, I'm just as saying in general. I just think when I think of N64, oh, what games? It's just it's all cruising in there. A uh, car, a car playing game. Car CPG. CPG. They should make a car themed RPG. Uh, you got Racing Lagoon, man. That's out there. That's true. You played that one. I did. That was very fun. I liked the game a lot. There weren't a lot of RPGs on the N64, were there? Yeah, I remember a lot of like third person action, a lot of racing games. Uh, sports games, but I don't remember any like actual RPGs like Final Fantasy or anything like that. Yeah. 
You got Paper Mario, Harvest Moon. That's an RPG. Ogre Battle 64 is third on this list of best RPGs on the N64. Uh-huh. I don't know if I'm going to count Gauntlet Legends as an RPG. That feels very much more like an arcade mm, like hack, hack and slash. slash game. Yeah. I mean, there are, you do, you do increase stats. Yeah, that's fair. That's true. That's very, it's like a lowbrow <laughs> RPG. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. What else about this game? Uh, I, I did find the visual style, like you were saying, a little bit more compelling than what we got on the Yu-Gi-Oh one. Yeah. Just like the in-game stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, this pops. I, I, this one pops. Vibrant. Yeah. It feels like it is doing more with like a visual style that's closer to like a Super Mario RPG or something like that, mm. where it looks like there's pre-rendered sort of character models that they're shifting around and stuff. And so it just, it looks more stylized in hindsight, I think, yeah. which is cool. I like, I, I think it looks very good, mm-hmm. but especially the, the like battle layout that they have. I think that looks just like great. I love the way that that looks. Yeah. 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 It's essentially this, like you, you view the fight with your people sort of like downhill from the other ones, mm-hmm. like on a pre-rendered background and it like very stylized looks very good. Mm-hmm. And it's essentially just like an auto battle or whenever you go into a yep. fight, you don't have a lot of choice. Choices no. as far as like what to do. Like I said, all you can do is just like tell them how to attack people automatically, which is like attack mm-hmm. the strongest, the weakest, or just whatever they want. I I definitely messed around with that and it seemed to do to change nothing. I, I, same. <laughs> that was my experience as well. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of just attacked whoever they wanted mm-hmm. to. It wasn't like they focused on one guy uh-huh. more than any other. They're just like, all right, we're just going to take out all the X smashing that you do in these games and just let it play out. Which honestly, I think is really interesting. I like, I, I, I feel like I have not found an auto battler that I'm like crazy about. Uh-huh. I tried the, like the, the Dota auto battler. I forget what that's called off offhand, but it's essentially that genre where like you don't engage in specifically choosing what moves to use. It's more of just like set up your team and then let them loose. Let them go. Yeah. And so it's cool to see it like all the way back here. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had assumed that that was a much more modern genre, but it's, it's here. Like that's definitely what this is. Mm-hmm. You whenever you attack someone it's just you kind of just watch them do it again another very great argument for speeding up emulation because like yes i don't i don't, I don't need that to last I, yeah 10 minutes, i don't i don't you know? need to spend too much time in there definitely not um so that is uh it's cool but yeah it's i i, I loved whenever this game like essentially when you got to any of the love the end of the levels and it's like all of your plans kind of came together uh-huh. of like you know charging into a castle with like five enemies you use the first one, they typically will not beat the enemy mm-hmm. the first time, and then you just kind of like keep pinging yep. off, off off this castle. It, it feels good. I think that that's a really like fun loop that this game has. Mm-hmm. It feels more CG. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Like you're, you're really sieging this castle, and it's hard to take. Yes. Yeah. Which, which again, it makes it feel significant whenever you do take it. Mm-hmm. Love that. I also love that like there's oftentimes you will either be able to enter into cities and like talk to people yeah. or like just find items out in the wild. Yeah. So like, Oh, That's here's a mace. Cool. Oh, here's mm-hmm. like a leather shield. Cool. Just walking yeah, around. Totally. It, it feels kind of like fire emblem in that way where sometimes you will come up to a map and there's like an open door that you can go just be like, uh-huh. Hey, what's your deal to whoever's in there? Yeah. And I like that your, your units have stamina. So like if you send them halfway across mm-hmm. the map, they have to be like, I'm tired and then rest in a camp yes. for a bit. But it really sucked when I sent a unit to go and intercept another enemy. And they decided that they wanted to go into camp, like right before hitting the enemy. And then they got surprised <laughs> yeah. and they're all asleep and they just got like demolished by the enemy. Oh yeah. Cause when you fight somebody in camp, they like can't really fight back. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. They get surprised essentially. So that was that was a brutal thing to figure out. But probably is in the manual. 
which I did not have. Yeah, I bet there's something in there for figuring out like how far away from needing to sleep your characters are. But yeah, there's probably some stamina meter uh, somewhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Again, why I'm so interested in this Unicorn Overlord game, because like I I just am interested if they can streamline a bunch of that stuff. Absolutely. I bet you could like there's so many quality of life upgrades you could do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially since what, 24 years ago at this point. Like, Ooh, yeah, we have figured out a lot of how to do user interface design on consoles that makes sense mm-hmm. rather than just like trying to port over exactly what it would be like on a computer and then trying to map that onto a controller like that that's tough so i i am interested in what how they approach that because yeah ui on n64 is tough sometimes sure is doesn't always look great sure is yeah that could be cool i want to play that game i hope it's good i've heard a lot of things about it since i got recommended at a gamestop that one time so I am. I'm that very a, interested. This is a very important trip to GameStop you took. That was a big moment for me. That was a big moment yeah. for me as a as a as a gamer and as a man. Wow. Yeah. Figure GameStop's some things a, out. It's a magical place. GameStop, Paseo Nuevo, Santa Barbara. That's where it's at. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in GameStop as a kid. Mm-hmm. I, I was, was there constantly, man. I mean, it was a Wonderland. That and EB Games. Oof. Yeah. Or Funko totally. Games. I loved Funko Land. I fucked with Funko Land Funko so Land. much. Ooh, so, so good. good. I hate to say it, but the stink of those places re- was really kind to me. <laughs> I really loved the smell of a video game store. It's the so stink specific. as in like the bad smell or just the smell in general? The smell of new video games. Mm-hmm. It's something that a whole generation of children probably know nothing about. No, why would you? Yeah, they downloaded Fortnite right to their, right to their console and their, what is it, V-Bucks? from yeah. walmart <laughs> only know the stink of walmart which is a, a different beast entirely a different stink that's a stink you don't want stunk no shade because like i'm sure that's more efficient oh absolutely it's just there is a wistful nostalgia i have for that oh, sure. thing and i'm yeah, just yeah, like yeah. oh wow it's just it's one of those moments you just realize hey i'm kind of old now and this experience yeah. is something yeah, yeah. that people uh aren't experiencing when I experienced that. Yeah. Holds that about age. as much yeah. imp- importance as like our grandparents talking about cruising around. Oh yeah. In just their go cruise out of my like, car. Gas was yeah. half a cent for a gallon. Dude, that I would love a little bit of. <laughs> Not to go like full boomer on Maine right now, but it would be so uh, sick if yeah. it was that cheap. Anyway. It's, da- it's that damn Joe Biden. It's that damn Jean Renault. <laughs> Not making these gas prices lower, man. <laughs> it's all him. It's all him. It all comes back to Reno. Jean Jean Reno. Jean Reno. Isn't that a character? Isn't that a card from Hearthstone? Jean Reno? Maybe. It could be, huh? Russ Reno Jackson, that was it. Jeans Reno. Jeans Reno. <laughs> Buy all your jeans here at Jeans Reno. Come down to Crazy Jean Reno's Jeans Emporium, where we got nothing but jeans. You are you can't say no to these jeans. <laughs> you can't say Reno to these Genos. <laughs> oh man. We got we got big jeans, little jeans, wide jeans, thin jeans. <laughs> but it, no skinny jeans. If you want those, go to Kirby's Jean Emporium across the street. Yeah, that's Please. that's the gap by Kirby. Sorry. <laughs> Jean Reno only serves Jinko's big, wide jeans here at at, uh, at Jean Reno's Jean Emporium. <laughs> you could drive a truck through these jeans. So much width <laughs> in these legs, man. <laughs> absolutely not tapered they're just yeah. as wide as your hips and there's a gust of wind sayonara you're off see you later <laughs> that is a sale That's that is a, a different emporium for gene reno's sale <laughs> sales boat sales it's actually just jeans but a sale <laughs> 
I don't know that denim would make for a particularly efficient sail. That would probably suck, huh? The Canadian Canadian boat. (laughs) Yeah, the the Canadian tuxedo boat. Yeah. Very heavy material, the denim. But think how cool you'd look. But think how cool Gene Reno would look sailing up to you in in an all-denim boat. Even the boat is denim? Oh, the whole thing, man. My God, is, is denim buoyant? (laughs) <laughs> this denim is very special special brand of denim what's wrong babe you've barely touched your jote jote your jean boat? boat my goodness <laughs> this is really derailed john renault it was al pacino last week is john renault this week there's always some specter just sort of lurking what, in the background yeah, what celebrity is going to infest our our podcast next week <laughs> it really does feel like we point at one of them in the shadows whenever we make this there's one guy back there it's just a process of feeling around uh-huh. in the dark to see who it is this Red way. Rover, Red Rover. Send Jean Renault right over. Send Jote over. Send Jote the boat over. <laughs> <laughs> I love a denim boat. That's fun. Jote the boat with a stoat taking yeah. a toke. By Jean Renault. A, a, new, a new bold film, a new vision <laughs> coming this summer. From the makers of The Visitors comes Jote the Boat. Starring Jean Renault. Jean Renault. Jean Renault. Where he reads Death Note. Okay, now this I like. Mm. Now we've crossed over into some cool territory. Is it? Ju- it's just uh, Jean Renault streaming himself watching Death Note while on a Jean boat. I would. I would watch it's that. Man, that sounds great. Done. I want to see how he feels about Death Note. Million views. This uh, light Megami is a total shithead. Does not seem to uh, uh, be a good protagonist, despite mm-hmm. the fact he is centered at, the, at the, the front of the anime. Well, he ain't a protagonist. No, he's a kind of kind of a uh, a bad guy. Yeah. It's pretty much huge villain versus gremlin in the first part of that anime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Versus true. smart golem. <laughs> I do love this uh, very scary man who comes to infest this light Megami. Mm. Stand behind him and talk very intimidating. <laughs> thanks, Dave C, for your suggestion. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Ogre Battle 64. <laughs> How did we get here? Wow. I don't know. I have lost the path to where he have, where we have walked, David, but here we are anyway. We're here. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, thanks. It was great. If you'd like to interact with us some more, you can go to our website, pontimism.com. You can see yes. all of our old episodes and the beautiful podcast cover art that Chase has made. Uh, yeah. You can search games to see if we have talked about any games in the past. Uh, mm-hmm. And you can also make a suggestion for a game for us to do in the future. We might not yeah. get to it right away, but we will get to it yeah true that is a pontimistic promise what's what's gonna be really challenging is whenever you and i are like it's episode 500 we have like 20 games to do and we just have to like <laughs> rapid fire do all these games to make good on that promise. we're just on our deathbed I still yeah. got five more games <laughs> fucking ikaruga was so sick dude <laughs> so good <laughs> That's all. It's just it. It's like a 30-second podcast. This game was good. I enjoyed it. I have no complaint. Goodbye, world. <laughs> also, this week, it's Gene Renault again. He's back. Gene Renault. You thought he was gone. It's 5,000 episodes ago, but he's back. Mr. <laughs> Gene. Joke, joke came to kill me. <laughs> I see the joke outside. It's looming. <laughs> 
coming to take me across the river Styx. It's the the weirdest version of Charon. The- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the ferryman of the the, the, the sticks. Yeah. It's Jean yeah, Renault on Jote. Oh my God. Yeah. What a surprise. That's why he's watching Death Note. <gasps> it all comes together. <laughs> I'm here to take you from the living world to the death, to the underworld. Yes. Here's your in-flight movie, Death Note, in its entirety. <laughs> and this guy is going to tell you his thoughts about it. Mm-hmm. Ooh. But not just any guy. Jean Renault. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Death Note with Jean Renault commentary over it. <laughs> I can. I would watch. I'd watch it. I'd do it. Uh, You can also, on our website, find a Mm -hmm. link to our social media, and probably the most important one is a link to our Discord, which is part of the Worst Garbage uh, Podcast Network. So come Mm -hmm. on over there. Get in the chat. Say hi. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's a good time. It's a very good time. It's a good time. Love to chat about video games Mm -hmm. in there, which we do often. The games are there. The games are there. Thank you, Scout Wilkinson, for our beautiful podcast art it's very good if you would like to commission her for art of your own you can go to co-fi.com slash humble goat and see if her commissions are open which as of the time of the recording they are not they are yet. not sorry you gotta wait you gotta wait for quality that's just the way it's it worth is the, it's worth the wait it's worth the wait yeah uh if you want to help out the podcast you can leave a review on apple Podcasts or spotify or wherever you listen to the podcast give it a like give yeah. it a follow whatever you want to do uh we really yeah. appreciate it and we read all the reviews and they always make us feel oh so warm and fuzzy on the inside uh because they've all been very nice so far one day that's yeah. going to be a mean one and that might sting a little <laughs> bit but we're not there yet but we're 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 uh feeding off of the positivity of the ones so far which is great yeah Full, full disclosure it's gonna it's gonna it's sting, gonna sting. We'll, it's gonna hurt a little bit but you know we're we're modern men david we can handle a little pain yeah. we can confide in each other and hug each other when it's hard yeah. i know it's and, gonna hurt a little bit and that's gonna be okay you yeah, know i'm just gonna have to go to andrew tate's twitter and feel good about oh my myself God, dude it's gonna be the beginning of my turn to the dark side yeah this is it the chose the, side the one the one bad podcast review <laughs> is all it took lastly yeah thank you listener yeah for listening to this podcast we really appreciate mm-hmm. it there's a lot of different things you could be doing with your ears right now and you choose to listen to us talk about games so that's very very special uh we do this yeah. even if nobody was listening and it's just pretty incredible that people listen so thank you very much yeah thank you we we truly very much appreciate it thank you so much chase do you have any video game wisdom for the week don't build your boat out of jeans it's a bad thing to build your boat out of unless they're skinny jeans unless they're jean renault's jeans which are a very special kind of jeans what about jeggings jeggings might actually be okay but then you're contending with like how much microplastic you're willing to to Mm. deal with on a on a daily basis sure i mean i'm already fucked that's the thing man yeah like it's it seems like pretty tough to really get out of that in any way shape or form i had so many things out of plastic in the 90s man yeah just like chowing down too like i'm putting a lot of toys just directly into my mouth as a kid yeah you know toys in my mouth pretty much every single like snack pack that i ever loved Mm. like what is it the lunchables yeah lunchables absolutely microplastics all of them dunkaroos microplastics dunkaroos twinkies Twinkies. cupcakes everything everything wrapped in plastic yeah it's got that sweet american flavor on it that's what it is it's all it's all the microplastics you can taste the processed oil in my body yeah but jeans anyway jeans are a bad material for a boat don't build it unless you're jean renault at which point you can build Jote and you will be okay. Yeah. Gets plus 10 crafting with jeans because his name is Jean. <laughs> That's true. That's how it works. I'm very good at pursuing people because of my name. <laughs> I don't got nothing. I, you got plus 10 Dave. I got plus 10 Dave, whatever that means. I mean, yeah. 
Yeah, I'll take that. It's it's intangible. It's not nearly as direct as being good at genes, but I think that it's gonna it's gonna pay off really soon in a in a yeah. really major way. Every now and then, I'll feel my perk modify my perk go off, and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, Dave, this is my Dave. This is my Daveness." <laughs> Dave is in retrograde right now, <laughs> and I'm gonna come back so strong next month. <laughs> you just summon the power of all Daves in the world <laughs> for like a second. If all real talk, if if all the Daves in the world shouted at the same time, I would really be in awe of the power. It'd be scary. It'd, It'd be, be scary. scary, but also kind of intimidating. The hive You're suddenly Dave part mind. of a very the the hive Dave is real, man. Mm-hmm. We are legion. <laughs> <laughs> all right. See you next week. See ya. Bye. Bye bye. Garbage. Duh, I'm